So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored as always by Alltag, and thanks to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura and Mighty. Now my guest this week is David Hill. Now David served in the UK Armed Forces before moving across into the loss prevention security industry, where he spent the last 20 years. David is currently the head of loss prevention and security for the Fossil Group, with 30,000 points of distribution, 450 owned retail locations globally. David leads the EMEA and APAC regions within this multi-organization responsibility of retail, corporate supply chain, and manufacturing. I don't think there's uh, much that David doesn't touch within the business. Now, well known for providing an engaging, uh, greater together approach to loss prevention at Fossil and often stating that innovation and creativity are the key to their successes, especially in this new digital and multi-channel age across the organization. Well known for listening to business partners and channeling the right LP approach through their objective is, uh, he believe, what makes a successful team. Um, Often quoted as saying, when our people succeed, we succeed. David, welcome. Hey, good afternoon, Paul. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very, very well. Now, always a pleasure to talk to you. Now, before we get into some details of fossil and what are you doing uh on a day-to-day i've got to go way back when young david sat at school come on then what was the actual intended career what did you actually want to do uh to be quite honest paul i didn't i i didn't actually have an intended career plan um you know i obviously finished high school uh completed exams um left high school and, and, and went into college. Um, I spent quite a short time there. I actually went to study uh, information technology. Um, you know, back in the day, that was with, you know, old monochrome monitors and dot matrix printers and that type of thing. And I think somewhere around three or four months in, uh, if that, uh, uh, you know, college, uh, I kind of, you know, lost interest in that. And one lunchtime walking past the Army Career Center, uh, you know, decided to call in and, and, and see what opportunities I had. Uh, I think the intention when I walked through the door was not necessarily the Army, it was the Royal Air Force. Uh, but I was kind of uh, uh, intercepted by somebody from the Army desk. Um, and, and as a result of that, I spent four years in the British Army as a rifleman and uh, uh, toured uh, Bosnia, Falkland Islands, uh, spent time in Jordan, a couple of years based out in Cyprus as well. So, it, you know, no intended plan, but that's kind of where I ended up, you know. And then, so you did your four years there. You thought, okay, maybe that's coming to then. How did you then go from, um, you know, the army into retail? I mean, how does that transition occur? Uh, Paul, I still ask myself the same <laughs> question, so... Uh, you know, I, I was in my 20s. I decided, uh, you know, it was time to leave the military uh, and, and pursue a career of sorts back in the UK. Uh, came back home. And, and, and to be quite honest, originally, my intention was to uh, be a firefighter and enroll in the fire service. Uh, these were in the pre-internet days when everything was by right and, you know, waiting for posts to come back, that type of thing. And in the interim, I found myself working for a, a national security company as a store detective. Uh, and that was uh, covering the north of England, uh, primarily for uh, uh, retail uh, brands such as Woolworths, Superdrug, Marks and Spencers. Um, and I spent quite a few years there, uh, uh, evolving into uh, training, training new hires coming in, into uh, into that part of the business. Um, 
And I had one or two incidents uh, where I had quite a lot of success. Uh, and as a result of that, I had, uh, I think he was probably the regional loss prevention manager for Woolworths at the time, which I'd never heard of a department or, or anything like that, you know, came to the store for coffee with me to, uh, you know, to have a chat, uh, more to offer gratitude for the services, uh, you know, I'd, I'd done. Um, and that was kind of my first introduction to loss prevention. I think after that conversation, I was kind of like, Hang on, this is this is where I want to go. I want to get into this, uh, and that kind of started me on a mission to find a loss prevention role twenty years ago. Uh, so I think by then I'd already had five or six years working within retail security. Um, I had quite a solid foundation from that perspective. And um, my first role was actually with Clinton Cards. Uh, go back to the early 2000s. Uh, I was given a role uh, as a, a regional security loss prevention manager uh, with approximately around 100 stores in the north of England. Um, I spent quite a few years in Clinton. It's absolutely fantastic company to work for, amazing people to work with. Uh, and over the time, I was promoted to group investigations manager. Um, I think that was primarily a desk job, uh, supporting the national loss prevention team. And that's kind of where I got itchy feet again. Fortunately for me, right across the road from uh, uh, our corporate office was another retail giant, uh, JD Sports. Uh, and I think after probably around four or five years within Clinton's, I found myself in a regional loss prevention manager role in JD. Uh, and I think that's kind of my cornerstone with loss prevention. I, I remember my first day, the you know, the loss prevention leader uh, came over to me and said, you know, whatever you know about loss prevention, it's equivalent to Sunday League. You're now in the Premier League, okay? Uh, and that, it was absolutely true. That was an absolutely superb opportunity to really understand loss prevention uh, and give me the ability to set really strong foundations and increase my understanding. Uh, albeit, I was there not very long, I think probably less than a year uh, before I was contacted by Fossil. Uh, and offer the role as a loss prevention manager uh, with a European uh, remit. Um, so, you know, this was kind of game changing for me. Uh, you know, been in loss prevention for around five or six years at this time, large American company, uh, uh, you know, providing me opportunity to work across Europe. And because loss prevention was still kind of in its, uh, uh, still kind of a new concept within this part of the business, then it gave me the opportunity to kind of lay my own foundations. Um, and that's, you know, where I've been for 15 years, um, uh, uh, you know, developing loss prevention within Fossil Europe uh, or EMEA uh, and APAC, uh, and also, uh, you know, building a team along the way uh, and, you know, a, a great team of uh, loss prevention professionals. So, Yeah, and you've certainly become very synonymous with Fossil. You're sort of known as the figurehead there. So, you know, you've done a good job of, not only going in and building the team, but actually you know, elevating the brand, I think, and the function and what you do. So, uh, yeah, huge congratulations. Now, give me an insight into the size and scope of this role at Fossil, because we've got you know, EMEA responsibility, APAC responsibility. I mean, what you said you've built the team, but but how big, what does that look like? And maybe for those that don't know Fossil as a business, just just give me an overview of, of what, what, the, what that retail organisation looks like. Yeah, my responsibility is the director here uh, of loss prevention. Uh, we have uh, in, in, in EMEA uh, pro approximately 150 stores. Uh, well, EMEA and APAC, that's inclusive of Europe, South Africa and Australia. 
Uh, we also have a similar number of concession stores, i.e. shop and shop concept inside department stores as well, also staffed by Fossil employees. Uh, we have corporate facilities in almost every country throughout EMEA, manufacturing locations in Switzerland, uh, large-scale distribution centre in Germany. Um, and the responsibility here is leading uh, that team of security and loss, preventional, uh, loss prevention professionals uh, UK, Bavaria, Switzerland, South Africa, um, maintaining security infrastructure, security and loss prevention operations across the board. And that's for all facility types as well. Yeah, I mean, quite quite the role. And then, you know, in terms of the, the products, I mean, you know, um, sort of, uh, you know, the watches and the and the wallets, but how big is the, you know, what, what's the, what, the, what are the products that your team mm-hmm. are looking to protect and maybe what are the the the, the red flags the ones the more more challenging well i think to be honest paul i think most people i imagine have, have owned one or maybe more fossil watches in their time you know uh but i think the size and scope of the brand is is much greater than people often realize uh we are a global leader in design manufacturing distribution of consumer uh fashion accessories typically watches, jewelry, leather goods, and, and other accessories. Uh, Fossil has its own brands, uh, which include Fossil, uh, and other brands like Zodiac, Michelle, and, and various other brand names. Uh, but we also have a diverse portfolio of licensed brands, uh, which we design, manufacture, and distribute to. And this includes uh, brands such as Emporio Armani, Michael Kors, Diesel, the list goes on and on and on, you know. Um, so from that aspect, I think the wholesale and distribution size is much greater than the brand that people regularly see on the high street. Um, and as well as retail stores, I mean, Fossil and Watch Station, uh, every department store that you go into or jewelry store that you go into globally to purchase any of these brands, I mean, the product the product started its journey at Fossil. You know, So it, it's greater than what you see on the high street or operator. Yeah, and I guess that creates, you know, a, a very diverse but an interesting, you know, range of challenges that, that you come across. So so give me an indication. So what on earth does your day-to-day look like? So when you sat down at your desk this morning or any typical morning, you know, what takes up the bulk of your time? Is it reacting? Is it more strategic? What, what's your sort of uh, your hour-by-hour hour look like? I mean, it, it is, it, it's extremely diverse, uh, uh, but it is, uh, you know, very heavily strategic. Uh, primarily leading the teams, uh, leading the team's objectives. Uh, we have a very collaborative approach. We have a, a, an absolutely amazing loss prevention team here at EMEA. Uh, but, you know, on a day-to-day kind of assisting team members with, you know, their queries, personal objectives and investigations, uh, but also working on localised projects with business partners, vendor management, you know, that type of thing. Mm. I think a typical morning, tend, you know, I tend to focus on my European-related tasks. And then, you know, somewhere in the afternoon as the US begins to come alive, uh, you know, then we kind of move on to the wider organisational subjects. Um, so, you know, on a day-to-day, you know, early in the morning, could be participating in a video call with the Australia retail team. And then late afternoon, we're, you know, sat on a call with our business partners in Dallas, uh, so it's all, always busy dawn to dusk, uh, you know, elements of just about everything somewhere in the middle. 
Yeah, I must admit the um, the global footprint means it's quite relentless, isn't it? So uh, that sort of you know five a.m. to Australia through to nine o'clock in the evening into the states as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, well well done for keeping your sanity having done that for so long. So look, in terms of you know the business at the minute, can you give us maybe an insight into perhaps specific challenges or projects that you're working on right now? Maybe a people or process perspective. Any new cool technology that's been rolled out recently? We've got, a, actually, as a business, we've got quite a few kind of major projects going on right now. Uh, uh, one of them's our new uh, mobile POS uh, systems, which we hope to roll out in 2023. Uh, so this allows the business to kind of move away from traditional cash-registered environments, you know, utilize an iPhone-type devices, fewer cash drawers, you know, maybe uh, enable the employees to maintain customer engagement and that type of thing. Uh, that has its own kind of loss prevention, uh, uh, you know, issues, and that's we're heavily involved in that with, with the global team. Um, we're also going through consultation at the moment with various vendors in regards to exception-based reporting opportunities for 2023. Uh, so that's something that we're heavily involved in over the last couple of months. Uh, but primarily, I think the greatest project, which is actually spearheaded by our department, uh, is a CCTV project, which we actually partnered with 3X Logic on that. Uh, we, we couldn't just come to the end of that project. We've literally just finished installation. Uh, I think it was around a two-year project overall. Uh, and that's installation of CCTV systems in all the mere North American stores. Wow. Okay. And and you say, so you drove that. So what, what, was, what was missing before, if you like? So what was the driver for... For the upgrade, because I'm assuming there was uh, a legacy system there, but mm-hmm. what was what was missing from that? What was the reason for the upgrade, and and then what does it give you as a risk and loss prevention professional going forward? Yeah, well, it's it was actually not to replace a CCTV system. Uh, the objective was actually related to alarm systems. Uh, much of the retail estate within Fossil, a lot of our stores have been in place 10, 15 years or more. Uh, and a lot of the, uh, you know, the tenure of many of the traditional alarm systems were coming towards, you know, the end of their operable life. Uh, and what we recognized uh, around two or three years ago that, you know, maintaining functionality was proven to be a costly exercise, maybe, maybe not everywhere, but definitely in some locations. Therefore, we had to look at opportunities to replace uh, alarm systems with, you know, similar technology or alternative technology. Uh, so around three years ago, I sampled out uh, motion detection, partnered with 3X Logic, and we sampled out motion uh, detection technology uh, in two new stores that we opened in Austria. Uh, now, we're very fortunate in Boston. We, we have a 24-7 LP operations command center based in our uh, corporate office in Texas. So what this allowed us to do was kind of bring monitoring house you know, much the same way as, as a traditional alarm receiving center, um, and also enable us to validate proof of concept of, of this technology. Um, just in alarm replacements alone, I mean, we were able to demonstrate kind of a, a quite a sizable return on investment. Uh, and this therefore gives us opportunity, you know, to, to propose this technology to the business as well. It, it actually grew greater on that. Uh, you know, via our partnership with 3X. But at the same time, the business, we didn't realize this at first, but the business was scoping out opportunities for upgrading or replacing existing traffic count technology. 
Uh, and what we soon realized was that the 3X logic system could also provide this function. Um, so we installed traffic count cameras in our test stores, validated counts, and we kind of quickly realized that the accuracy, uh, the traffic counts in these test stores were, were, was greater than what we were seeing from legacy systems. Uh, and another big part of the 3X logic tool was that we, uh, you know, fossil stores, watch station stores are typically small boutique-like locations. Uh, they have a really, it's a really great device, 360-degree camera, um, which we installed in the stores. Uh, and what we realized was this also gives us the ability to provide heat mapping, uh, you know, heat map uh, 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 illustrations out to our wider business. So this kind of assists us, you know, or enables us to assist marketing, visual merchandise, and you know, field managers, uh, you know, determining best layouts in stores, maximize engagement, and ultimately sales opportunities. So we originally started off with we just want to replace alarms, and we end up with an all-encompassing system that CCTV, alarm monitoring, traffic counting, and heat mapping rolled into a single device. Uh, so that's. Just coming to the end of that at, at the end of two years and uh, i think uh, over the course of january is kind of the big switch on you know well i hope with all that functionality you managed to get those various departments all to chip in some budget to uh to, to fund that opposed to it all coming out of your pot yeah well it's private this is just for our own retail estate uh yeah. so uh approximately 200 plus stores in the us uh around 140 150 stores across the as well so yeah, hell, hell of a project. And I think you know, I remember oh, many, many years ago, way before I think most retailers looking at it, being involved in a project with the casinos in, in the US uh, and seeing heat mapping for the first time. And it is, I mean, it is just a game changer, isn't it, in terms of seeing dwell time and footfall and where people go. And I know, you know at that time it was about moving machines into different places and where servers were deployed. But yeah, you see that in a retail environment. And it's, yeah, I, I guess. You know, you'll start to see significant differences and I hope, you know, extra sales as well for the business. Well, we've actually recognized this already. Uh, I mean, while we haven't officially rolled it out uh, to the retail field team at the moment, uh, it's due to happen in Q1 uh, this year. Uh, but we had some great examples. We had one of the re uh, retail directors contact me last week. We had a, a new store. They just wanted to see how uh, they've made some changes to the floor set and they wanted to see how one week compared to the following week with regards to uh, traffic movement. And it, it was off the scale noticeable. It was a real big difference that those little changes have made to the store, but this is the first time at loss prevention we're able to present this back to the business and say, hey, you know, this is what the change has made, you know. There you go. So you are flavour of the month within Fossil at the minute by the sound of things, for sure. Yeah, we're, we're trying. We're yeah. trying our best, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I want to come on and just ask you a few questions about uh, you know, your time within the loss prevention, but uh, we're just quickly going to take a short break and hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime, 3xLogic. So welcome back to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast. I am, of course, still talking to David Hill from Fossil. Um, just before the break there, you gave us an insight into, you know, the, the 3X Logic uh, system and cameras that you've rolled out, which sounds terrific. And yeah, I'll look forward to maybe an ongoing update on how that's going. But I have to say, I'm interested, you know, you've been in senior positions within 
retail for a number of years now. And, and I'm always fascinated on the changes that people see. How would you say your function and how people, maybe peers within the business, are viewing you and your division over time? You know, are you getting more involved in the retail decisions? You know, this data, the store layout. You know, do you feel that you're just being asked to focus on the risk and loss prevention? How are you sort of gauging the influence of you as a senior operator in in the risk arena at the minute? I mean, it, you know, it's definitely overarching the entire, uh, uh, you know, organization within Fossil. Again, uh, you know, the responsibility is corporate distribution, retail, wholesale, uh, typically involved in, in, you know, more or less everything that's going on within the organization at, at some point. Um, but, you know, from a sophistication perspective, uh, you know, I think, you know, that's a, a greater influence sophistication you know in the sense of technology and digital resources and i think digital uh you know which has really changed over the last couple of years within loss prevention you know provides us with a great opportunity to do a lot more with with less uh and even over a greater area of scope as well i think gone are the days paul were you know a regular size organization has 20 25 lp personnel uh, uh within the business uh but reduced team size and you know means these days, we can leverage a lot more via digital and uh, technology, uh, technology resources to maintain and, 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 and even to some extent extend a solid loss prevention program. Mm. Uh, a, a lot of different ways with that technology, you know, exception-based reporting. Uh, we're now utilizing virtual auditing and compliance testing you know, enterprise-wide security and access control systems. And again, going back to the 3X system, that's a perfect example of how we do that. Um, but I think influence as well, you know, influence in the sense of what is loss prevention. I think this has really changed over the years, uh, definitely over the last five to 10 years. You know, what is loss prevention and how does it affect my job as, as a retail employee? Um, you know, I mentioned, I think the days of 20, 25 LP personnel per, you know, regular sized business are gone. But I think also was the culture or the ideology of how loss prevention operates across an organization. Uh, I think these days loss prevention is, you know, much more collaborative, uh, a more collaborative approach with shared goals and objectives across the enterprise. Um, and I think one of the big changes, we've seen this in the name changes, you know, typically loss prevention. And these days they tend to be called profit protection. Lost profit being opposite ends of the same continuum. And I think previously loss prevention are kind of focused on the back end of these objectives on the loss side. Um, you know, these days while maintaining those, you know, the back end standards, I think the focus of good loss prevention op operatives these days is, you know, looking for opportunities for success as an entire organization uh, and, and profitability. Uh, so, you know, that's primarily done through influence and culture, demonstrating that loss prevention can add value to the top end of the business. And I think that's really where we're seeing changes in the last few years, you know. Yeah, I certainly get the impression people like yourselves and some of the others at the forefront, you know, gone are the days of the loss prevention department being seen as the no department. You're now mm -hmm. actually welcomed into broader discussions around you know, bigger aspects of the business. And I guess, you know, that's because you continue to contribute to those conversations opposed to just saying, well, if we put some doors up and lock them, then we won't lose anything. And, you know, it, it does feel as if for, for many, that influence is increasing. And again, you know, profit protection, direct to level roles, direct access to the board. I'm sensing these are things that, 
you know you're getting within fossil on your day to day yeah absolutely yeah uh and and you know back to your point uh you know yeah we're not that no department anymore i think we've actually gone to the opposite extreme yeah. where uh you know where the the hotline uh within the business uh, uh for most things so uh you know loss prevention these days tends to be the first point of contact yeah for all scenarios you know just out of interest, I mean, once upon a time, I mean, you know, no detriment to the fact you are ex-military, but it was generally ex-police, ex-military that took these senior positions. But what qualities do you think a sort of modern risk profit protection director needs to have? Has how's it changed? Well, look, uh, you're right. Coming out of the military, I think the first two companies I work for, Clinton Cards and JD, uh, great companies, you know, amazing people. In both companies, uh, departments were run by, you know, senior ex-police officers. Um, so very, very regimented ways. Uh, I think coming to Fossil was the big eye-opener for me. It was the culture in Fossil is, is off the scale, uh, you know, in contrast uh, to that way of work. And so it's not just loss prevention, it's the entire business that's like that. Um, but I think as a loss prevention director, I think what skills you need to have, you know, change management i mean there's no one size fits all in loss prevention not even in the same business uh you know it's a constant work in progress uh in any organization or business i think you know a good lp director has to remember that you know the lp approach it continually evolves over time what works today probably won't work tomorrow or may not work tomorrow and especially now as we see this kind of exponential uh development in technology and and, and you know digitalization of, of our processes um so you know the ability uh, to regularly change your approach adapt to the business changes i think somewhat in loss prevention you have to be a little bit of a visionary as well you know the business is continually changing things uh and anticipating new functionality so I think you have to have the ability to kind of see further down the line how that affects risk, how it affects sales, you know, how your overall recommendations impact the success of the project, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I, I think, you, you know, you have to have those skills. Uh, I think it also comes down to great teamwork as well. You know, while you may be the figurehead of the department, you know, you're reliant on the success and overall well-being of the team. Uh, so I think it's important even, you know, as an LP leader, not to be frightened to, you know, get your hands dirty when needed, jump in with the team and collaborate together to maximize potential. Uh, and, you know, likewise, learning from the team as well. Uh, so, I, you know, I love working with the team on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, encouraging the team. We have a really uh, great bunch of individuals out there. Uh, but, you know, encouraging them to think outside the box, propose their own solutions, and more importantly, celebrating their success as well, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. The one thing that stood out for me as you were sort of answering that was the fact that you were saying you're getting phone calls and being asked for your recommendation. Mm -hmm. So that's not the case of getting off the manual and going, this is how we've always done it. But yeah. I get, you know, you're being invited in. And so I guess you've got to be abreast of trends and understand what's going on because, you know, it's David's crystal ball on the desk. It's your recommendation and they're yeah. going into the decision-making process. Now, out of interest... Uh, and it might be the new one that's gone out, but is there is there one piece? What's your sort of go-to, you know, risk technology, if you like? Is there one thing that you say actually that's the cornerstone of profit protection? You know, what what's your go-to magic, if you like? Uh, that's a difficult one. I don't think there's any 
you know, one specific item, you know, that I could not do without. Uh, you know, obviously these days we have a lot of technology and resources, you know, at the fingertips. Um, and they're all critical to the successful operation of a loss prevention department. I think more importantly, Paul, it's the people driving the operations, people utilising the resources that we couldn't do without. Uh, you know, in Fossil, the entire LP team has, you know, a general, uh, you know, overall skill set in loss prevention. Um, but aside that, you know, all of these people have individual disciplines, corporate security, you know, distribution loss, uh, distribution LP, who also support our retail and facility business. You know, we've got operatives in high-risk markets such as South Africa. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're absolutely reliant on their knowledge and expertise down there. Um, we have other members of the wider team globally, you know, who are uh, absolutely crazy about IT and security systems functionality. So. I think for the team and our collaborative collaborative efforts are truly what keep the wheel turn and not necessarily a single piece of technology you know yeah i think i think that you know more and more that's the kind of you know it's uh it's it's lots of bits of cheese that make up the the, the circle so look finally retail's had a very very challenging time over the last few years but how do you see you know the future of retail specifically fossil more physical stores, more franchise, e-com, dark stores. What, what, where, where's your business going, and and how do you think that fits in within the wider sort of retail market? I think with the wider retail market, I mean, I think if you've asked anybody this question four years ago, it's totally changed since COVID. You know, uh, and you know, I see a lot of questions about whether there's still room for brick and mortar stores. You know, on the high street. Personally, I think there is. I think there will always be, a, you know, significant relevancy in, in consumer-related industry and, and, and having the uh, brick-and-mortar sites. Uh, but nonetheless, I think, you know, the past two or three years with COVID gave, you know, especially retail an opportunity to accelerate omni-channel environments. Um, and I think, you know, speaking with some uh, peers within other retail businesses, I think that was, you know, often quite hastily with, you know, a lot of setbacks, a lot of learning opportunities. And I think COVID provided us with a sandbox environment, not only for sales, but, you know, digital means, different methodologies of customer engagement. Uh, it also gave us the opportunity to test out alternative, you know, distribution and supply chain methods and that type of thing. Uh, Fossil as an example, I mean, we, you know, really jump on, on, on the bandwagon here and, and, and you know, we, we have so many channels of being able to purchase right now. You know, we can buy online, we can buy online and pick up in store, buy online, ship from store. Uh, we're even trialing out uh, virtual shopping in Europe right now, which means, uh, you know, the, the the customer at home uh, takes video call uh, with the store and have the opportunity for direct engagement and talk about the product and that type of thing. Um, so I think eventually brick and mortar, you know, maintain a, a hybrid functionality you know, I think customers still want to experience the brand in store. They want to see, feel, and you know, touch the product. Uh, maybe the product's not purchased in store. You know, they come out, they experience the brand, they go back home and they make the purchase. I think going forward, this is kind of part of a new retail ecosystem, which you know we're all getting used to at the moment. Uh, but I do think that you know. Retail stores on the high street, they're a representation of the brand. Uh, and I think some initial studies uh, that I've read have shown that, you know, removing brick and mortar from key areas 
uh, drastically changes the brand's ecosystem in that particular area. It can even impact omnichannel sales. Uh, so I think what we'll see going forward is, you know, an entire ecosystem in a particular area, you know, will be a representative of a brand performance as opposed to sales in a single store. I think that's where we're going in the future uh, with this kind of hybrid, uh, you know, uh, uh, retail business, you know. Yeah, and it sounds, you know, fascinating. I think Fossil's a, a terrific brand. I think you know, you've done some really innovative stuff. I, I, I am aware of the sort of virtual store experience that, that's going on in Europe. And I think you're right. It is that hybrid. And it's the reason why, you know, Mercedes-Benz take, you know, pop-up stores and you can press the button and listen to the exhaust note or probably mm-hmm. the battery note going forward, depending on your choice of car. Um, but it is that thing, isn't it? It's that hybrid. So uh, really amazing to hear that Fossil are part of that new wave of uh, uh, of retail. Um, it's been amazing chatting to you today. Thank you so much for all of your insight and sharing. I wish you every continued success within Fossil, and uh, I look forward to seeing you at a physical retail risk event. Who knows? South Africa, London, wherever you might pop up, I'll be there. Maybe we'll, we'll see you as well. But for now, David, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Paul. It was good to talk. Thank you. Thank you.